Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the privilege of coming before your presence to sit at your feet. The psalmist says that better is one day in your courts than a thousand days elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Lord, as we sit at your feet, we pray that you will brood over us tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, even those who are not here present but are joining us from afar, we pray that your presence will be with each and every one who hears your word tonight. Lord, as we sang, we need your grace today. Grant us your grace, O Lord, and draw us closer to you so that, Father, we will be a people who continually pray so that we do not faint or get weary. We thank you for that which we are about to receive tonight. We bind the thief who will seek to steal the word of God from us. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let your word have its free course in us and bring transformation even to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace and many blessings. So tonight, we, we are considering a topic, how to be praying continually. How to be praying continually. And uh, uh, I believe that the Lord is bringing his word to us um, precept upon precept and word upon word here a little, there a little because um, in the past weeks we had been looking at the diffuses of the knowledge of Christ and um, we realized that as diffuses one of the key functions is to bring offer prayers even to the Lord and our prayers the prayers of the saints is rising up every day even to the presence of the Lord so this is an important function that we have to be playing and we cannot stop praying to the Lord. We should not stop because the word of God says that pray without season. Pray without season. And um, last Sunday we we were looking at okay, so before we even get to what we were considering last Sunday we sometimes you think about it and say, hey, how can a person be praying continually praying without season and uh, in second corinthians chapter 2 verse 16 the apostle paul was saying who is adequate for such a task as this who is adequate for such a task as this how can we pray continually and or someone will say who another version will say who is sufficient unto this task but on Sunday we heard that the Lord God Almighty is our sufficiency amen he is our enabler he is the one who will give us the grace um, to pray without season to pray continually so as we were singing the Lord's Prayer as a confirmation of what we are looking at. Shall we read the scriptures? Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 4. Luke 11, 1 to 4. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, 
our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Hallelujah. So the disciples of Jesus watched him pray. And when he had finished his prayer time, one of them asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. So I believe that all of us here tonight are eager. We are eager for the Lord to teach us how we will pray continually in obedience to the word of God. But when we look at what the Lord said to them, and he's saying to all of us, he says, when you pray, say our Father. When you pray. It didn't say if you pray. It says when you pray. So it means that as children of God, we should be praying. It is um, considered automatically that we will be praying and communing with God our Father. Prayer is our communion, our communication with our Father, where we are worshipping Him, praising Him, um, communicating our gratitude to Him, bringing our requests, um, praying for others, and so on and so forth. So, um, our Lord Jesus also said one thing, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So it means that if you are not praying, then you are fainting. You are losing your spiritual breath. So he said, when you pray, say our Father. Our Father in heaven. And so on and so forth. So this tells us something, that the foundation to effective, continuous prayer is our relationship with God. Hallelujah. Our Father means that there is a a relationship. And when anyone gives their lives to Jesus or receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, they become God's children. We have, as many of us here who have done this, are God's children. And as soon as we give our lives to Christ, we become God's children. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 says that because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his sons into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Hallelujah. So, God himself sends the spirit of his sons into us. And the spirit that God has put into us enables us to call out to God, to pray to God, to communicate with God. Uh, Somewhere in the scripture he says that he has not given us the spirit of bondage. But he has given us the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. He has adopted us as his children and he has given us a language. He has put his spirit in us to communicate with him. And this sonship or this relationship is a permanent relationship. It's not um, touch and go. But it's a permanent relationship. We are God's children. He has adopted us. We belong to him. And as part of God's salvation plan, he puts his spirit in us. He seals us with his spirit. And his spirit enables us to pray always. It is um, not a language that we are learning. It's a gift that God gives to us when we ask him. And our sonship or our relationship with God 
It's a permanent relationship because our Lord Jesus said in John 8.35 that now a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever. Hallelujah. So we belong to God's family forever. We are not slaves. Um, a slave or a worker or a hireling will come and work and um, they are coming from somewhere. So eventually, when they take their gratuity, they go. But a son or a child of God we belong permanently to the household of faith. And so we do not have to leave our privileged position. And we are very, very privileged as God's children. And we should not abandon that. And we should be established, we should establish ourselves in our position as his children by continuing to study the word of God, praying, fellowshipping with other Christians, sharing our faith with others, abiding in the house of God and learning of him to become more and more like him, learning obedience. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was on the earth and he was a son of man, he learned obedience as a son even when obeying meant suffering so that is how we also have to humble ourselves as children of God or uh, when he says sons it's both male and female we are children of God and we must also We must not neglect our, our, our position as priests. We must understand that as children of God, we are also priests. Because we sometimes think we are a chosen generation called for to show His excellence. Yes, that is what the Word of God says about us. That we are a royal priesthood. We are a royal priesthood. So it is our duty as priests to, to pray continually. Hallelujah. We must pray continually. That is what the, even the Old Testament priests, that is what they did. They, they, okay, let me bring the scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, chapter 5, verse, let's be reading from verse 1 to 3. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 to 3. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. Okay, I'm reading the NLT. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. So, in this short passage, we are seeing our roles as priests, that we are chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. We are representatives, we are ambassadors, we are representatives of Christ. And in our role as representatives, what we do is to present gifts. So we are bringing prayers, we are praying for other people. Uh, bringing requests, intercessions, and giving of thanks for all men. And we are not doing this only for people. We are also offering sacrifice. We must also pray 
for, for ourselves. Hallelujah. Um, our Lord Jesus, when he was in the days of his flesh, the Bible says that he prayed with, he cried out, cried out with, you know, vehement cries to the one who was able to save him from premature death. And he was heard because he feared God. So we must even pray for ourselves, apart from praying for, for others. So, we must also, to be able to pray continually, we must also understand that prayer is part of our spiritual warfare, warfare weapons. Hallelujah. So, as God's people, we are in a battle. And once um, songwriter says that there is no demilitarized zone, we are in a constant battle. We are being born into a battle against evil forces. And that's what God's Word tells us in Ephesians chapter 6. But God has equipped us for this battle and he has armed us. And part of our spiritual weapons is prayer. Hallelujah. Part of our spiritual weapons is prayer. So we do not have to allow our, our battles, our, our, um, our weapons of war to perish. We must engage and use them very well um, to triumph over darkness. Hallelujah. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for all sins. Hallelujah. So, we have prayer as our weapon. And a, a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. But... A, a prayerful Christian is a powerful Christian. And I believe that we all want to be powerful Christians. The key to this is praying continually. Hallelujah. So, we are, we are looking at the fact that it begins with our relationship. Praying continually begins with our relationship with God. So, each of us have to take our relationship with God very seriously. If you are in a relationship with somebody and not talking to the person, then it means that that relationship is not functioning well. It's about to end up on rocks. So, if we are God's children and we have a relationship with Him, then we must be on talking terms with God. Um, we cannot go for, you know, many days and not be on talking terms with God. Not, we don't talk to God. We don't say anything to Him. And then when we, we think we have need of prayer, then we have to tell somebody else to pray for us. Then we, are, we don't have a good relationship. Uh, when we're growing up, if we wanted something from our father and we knew that we have not been so good. We will send a little one who is the, you know, who is always in right standing. And we'll say, oh, go and ask for this, go and ask for that. Uh, sometimes, even unfortunately, um, some parents, um, mothers, when they are not uh, communicating with husbands, You'll be sending the children. Go and say this to your father. Uh, go and tell your father that this. Um, we cannot do that to God. We have to communicate constantly with him. Because we have a task on our hands. Even though it may seem so daunting as... Um, one of my cousins couldn't understand how we will go and have all night and be praying all night. 
she was trying to wrap her mind around that. She was like, so you mean you'll be there and you'll pray until the next day? I said, yes, it happens and we are going to do it. <laughs> yeah. But our sufficiency is of God. Hallelujah. And this, our relationship is a permanent relationship. Amen. It's not a, a touch and go relationship. It's a permanent relationship. And we have to abide in the house of the Lord. Um, we cannot disappear from the house of the Lord. And God is depending on us to even stand in the gap to, to represent other people in their dealings with God. So at a certain time, God says that the, the people were so sinful, the nation was so sinful that he was about to destroy the nation. And he was looking for a man who will stand in the gap, who, who will build the hedge, you know, and cry out to God so that God doesn't visit that nation with calamity or disaster. And the Bible says he found, but he found none. But today, I believe that as the Lord is coming across to us with his word, when the Lord needs somebody to stand in the gap and pray, he will find you and I. Hallelujah. And, he will, and we will not be people who will put our weapons of war aside and, and relax because we are in a heated battle. It is raging. If you are spiritually sensitive, it is all around us. And it is time for we as children of God to rise up, to rise up in prayer. Um, we must avoid, we must, um, we must triumph over the hindrances to our prayers. Hallelujah. We must triumph over our hindrance, the hindrances to our prayers. Um, I want to read a scripture here. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Hebrews 1 to 3. It says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Amen. So there are two key words here. In the verse 1, he says we must give earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. The drift is what has caught my attention. And then, in the verse 3, he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So, I realize that it is the neglect of the things that we should be doing or God expects us to do as his children. That is what leads to the drifting away. And in essence, it's backsliding. You know, so uh, backsliding is like that. You are drifting. It's not a sudden thing, but it's a gradual drifting and drifting and drifting. Uh, when we neglect our relationship. So this negligence and carelessness is what leads to backsliding. When we neglect our relationship with God, we don't talk to God. We don't listen to, to his word. We don't listen to him speaking to us. We, um, we do things that are convenient and comfortable instead of doing things that God expects us to do. And so we gradually start drifting 
and drifting into our old lifestyle. And eventually, there's no difference between the person who professes to be a Christian or a child of God and somebody of the world. So then there's no influence. There's no godly impact or influence. So as we are learning about how to be praying continually, I want to trust God that this will not be one of the things that we will hear and not give earnest heed to it because our very existence depends on praying continually. The destiny of people and the destiny of nations depends on our continual prayer. So we should not neglect our priesthood, our priestly duty. We should not put our weapons of war aside and just um, remain in our comfort zone because at the end of the day the comfort zone is not even comfortable again. Um, I chanced upon a scripture which says that we should there was a word to women and he says that teach your your daughters wailing and your neighbors and lamentation because death has uh, come in through the windows through our windows and our palaces and so we cannot think that we are comfortable in our palaces the death is creeping into our windows and um, in so many diverse ways we have um, darkness trying to creep into our windows into our homes so we must we must arise and be very, very prayerful. And the Lord will bring interventions when his people pray. So, I also saw something about the prodigal son. When I was looking at the fact that we should not be negligent and we should not um, drift I realized that the two sons were both prodigal, actually. Um, because we don't have much time, but I think I will go through it very quickly. In Luke chapter, uh, the story is in Luke chapter 15, verse um, 11 to 32, but I don't have time to read through everything. So, the younger son, the younger prodigal son, what he did was that he claimed his inheritance and um, when it was given to him he gathered everything and he went far away and squandered all his resources on um, frivolous living and um, until he came to himself and returned but what I see here is that um, most of us know how to claim the portion of our inheritance from God. We know we are like this younger son. We know how to claim the portion of our inheritance. We know what rightfully belongs to us. And then we claim it. And so we claim our assets. And then we neglect our relationship with God. That's how he went far, far away from God. So um, he, he placed premium on the assets and neglected the assets. We have assets. That is what belongs to us. The things that God freely gives to us, the blessings and all that. Um, then assets. A-C-C-E-S-S. Access. We are able to go to God because we are his children. We can go to him freely. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. When my grandchildren are entering the room, they don't knock. We are not teaching them that, look, you have to knock. Uh, one of them in particular will just burst into the room. He will open the door like that 
and enter <laughs> like that. That is entering boldly. Amen. <laughs> so we have access to the presence of God as God's children. But this particular one collected all the assets and he went to a far country and he was living, you know, recklessly, carelessly. And so that's how we just end up in our old sinful habits with all the goodies that God has given to us, forgetting that whatever he has given to us is for a purpose and we are stewards of his resources. But this one, he wasted everything. But thank God he came to himself. Hallelujah. And when he came, actually when he was returning, he said he was returning as a servant. He told himself that he was returning as a servant. But as we have already uh, looked at the scripture, a servant does not abide in the house forever. A servant has no permanent place in the house. It is the son who abides forever. So what I noticed is that when he went back and he, he presented his application to be a servant, immediately the father accepted him as a son because he had accepted him back into the house forever. Hallelujah. So when we come to ourselves and we return to God, he will accept us forever. Now I want us to look at this older prodigal son, the older brother. He was laboring in the field. He was a hard worker. But the reason why I believe, I say that he is um, also a prodigal son is that he also didn't put much premium on relationship. Hallelujah. He didn't put premium on his, the relationship with his father. Yes, he was laboring, but his heart was detached from the father. He didn't know his father's heart cry or his father's heartbeat. His father's heartbeat was for the lost son. Hallelujah. And so, whilst this one was in the field doing his best all this while his father was standing there and looking out for his younger son who had gone far far away from him and this one didn't know what was going on in the house because he was far from home he had no idea about home news he didn't really care to know and it's also um I was also curious to find out uh, why is it that when he came, when the young one came, uh, nobody went to, to call him that, oh, come, there's something going on in the house. Um, so that's something I'm still figuring out. But what I noticed here is that this senior boy, he concerned himself with working, 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 no relationship. And I believe that God, in our relationship with God, God puts more premium on um, our personal devotion, our, our being with him, our sitting at his feet, than what we go out there doing. Now, this one was a very hard worker, like Martha, the, the sister of Mary. And um, I've noticed that the hard workers, sometimes they tend to be holier, they feel holier than thou. Um, that's what this one was also doing. And he was blaming the father that, well, you never, you never gave me anything. So apparently... He was working so hard, and yet he was disadvantaged because he didn't know that all that the father had belonged to him, and he could freely ask for it. Um, that's chapter 15, verse 31. 
when he was complaining, that's what his father told him. Luke 15, 31. We can read that quickly and move on. Yeah. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Hallelujah. Ah, you own everything. And yet, you didn't even get one apunchi to do Christmas party with your friends. Because you have judged your father as unfair. Sometimes, we go through needless pains because we have not seen the privilege that we have, that we can go to the Father in prayer with everything. And this is what happens. So all the resources that belong to him, he also wasted it because um, he didn't tap into it. And he was rather there and feeling very, very embittered. And in that house, when a lost son comes home, there is rejoicing. But this one could not rejoice. He could not rejoice with the family. What makes the family happy did not make him happy. He was rather grumbling and uh, he was very bitter about what was going on. Because he was like, this one does not even deserve anything good. Because he took whatever was given to him and he has gone to waste it with prostitutes and now he is back. He doesn't deserve anything. So, as we look at this story, we have to check our own attitude. Are we, have we drifted away with all the blessings God has given to us? Are we wasting it on unnecessary things? Have we neglected our relationship with God because now we are just okay. We have everything that we need. We are blessed. And then on the other hand too, are you laboring so hard to the extent that you have neglected to sit at the feet of the Lord, to be a friend of God, to be a son or a daughter to him. Everything that God has is for his children. Because when he made us his sons and daughters, we also became joint heirs with his son. Hallelujah. So we are so privileged. Have we been sat down to consider how privileged we are? And what the riches, and that's what Apostle Paul was preaching for the people that I, I don't want to stop praying for you. I want your eyes to open so that you will understand, you know, um, your eyes will open to the, rich, the, the, the glorious riches that we have as our inheritance. We as saints, we as God's children. And it's a very, very powerful and legitimate prayer because we... We, we happen not to understand, or it has not yet dawned on us, the privileges that we have and the blessings that we have, or the inheritance that we have as God's children. Amen. So, we are saying this to buttress the fact that we must triumph over the things that hinder us from praying and when we allow anything to come between us and God um, sinful habits and you know not talking to God or fellowshipping with other believers and um, doing the things that accompany salvation in, in the book of Hebrews I think chapter 6 he was talking about that that yeah, we don't have to be remain in the elementary school and just be doing uh, repentance and baptism and all that. We have to move on. And, um, but that notwithstanding, we can't also backslide after we have enjoyed all the blessings of God. If we do that, then he doesn't think there's any hope for anyone. 
who does such a thing. But in saying that in the verse 9, he said, but I am persuaded better things concerning you, even the things that accompany salvation. It means that there are things that should accompany our salvation. A close communion with God, a close walk with God, where God will even uh, work through us. Hallelujah. And we need to, to be praying continually. We need to exercise ourselves unto godliness. Amen. We must exercise ourselves unto godliness. First Timothy 4, 7. He says, but reject profane and old wives' tales and exercise yourselves towards godliness. Verse 8. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Amen. So, um, we have bodily exercise and then we have a godly exercise or spiritual exercise. A prayer is a spiritual exercise. Um, most of the time, now that we've heard that um, bodily exercise profits a little, we do the bodily exercise, ah, but no spiritual exercise. But that one rather is the one that he says is profitable for all things. Hallelujah. This one that profits a little, which we have put so much premium on it, will not carry us into eternal life. But godliness, when we exercise ourselves into godliness, it prof- it is the profit of it is both um, physical and uh, in this life and the life which is to come. So we will benefit from it now and also in eternity. We will benefit and we will have the blessings of exercising ourselves unto godliness. So um, I leave this to your choice. Which one will you place more premium on? But prayer is spiritual exercise. And we know that exercise involves discipline. So to be praying continually, to be praying without season, to be praying always, we need to be disciplined. If we are not disciplined, we will not be able to uh, be praying continually at all because there are many things that are distracting us. Many, many things distract us from prayer. The chiefest of this, I'm sure you know, is our mobile phone and our social media. It is a big challenge for us. Very big. And we have to discipline ourselves. Sometimes we have to put that thing off. Otherwise, we can't talk to God. You know, sometimes we'll even be in church and, um, okay, so I have my Bible on it and I'm reading and something will pop up and then your attention is distracted. Before you know, you are somewhere else and God is visiting and you are somewhere else. And it is also very irreverent to be on your own device and be doing your own thing when you are seeing the presence of the Lord. Uh, you can't go and sit in the presence of any big person and whilst you are talking to that person, you are just on your phone. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You can't, you, no, nobody does that, in fact. So we have to discipline ourselves and um, make sure that we are not distracted when it comes to praying. So anything, any weight in exercising to we lay aside weights and things that will hinder us. So even the attire that we are wearing and, you know, so many things that we do in order not to be weighed down, we do it. And exercise actually builds us up. And the Bible says in Jude 20, 
that building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So we must have the habit of praying in the Holy Spirit. I was thinking, the first thought that came to mind about, okay, so how do we pray continually? And the first thought that came to mind was, okay, you can pray continually by praying continually. <laughs> uh, that's all. Like somebody who was answering the question, that do you agree that, well, yes, I agree, full stop, instead of writing the two-page essay. <laughs> but we can, to summarize it all, we can pray continually. Uh, the way to pray continually is by praying continually and by not allowing anything uh, to stop you from praying continually. Make your personal devotion a daily habit. Personal devotion, personal quiet time and your times alone with the Lord. Make it a habit. That is how you can be steadfast in praying all the time. And we must also um, not neglect the assembling of other believers. Like, okay, not, not neglect to pray with other believers. We see that the apostles, yes, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and all. But when they were threatened, they went to their own company and they prayed together and God visited them. And then when one of them was also arrested and put in um, in the prison they also gathered together and they prayed so praying together is very 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 powerful it's powerful so I realized that we have neglected the things that we should be doing when we call for prayer we say oh our strength uh, attendance single digits um, you know midweek service attendance hmm. now we have a big gulf in between there in the middle gulf of guinea in there we have neglected the things that the apostles did and experienced the power of god they continued steadfastly in the doctrine they continued steadfastly in prayer and fellowship you know these are the things that they did and the prayers that they were praying it's not butter my bread um, prayer. Even though the Lord's prayer includes give us this day our daily bread. But their own prayer, um, we see that when it comes to providing needs, they didn't go praying about it. Whoever had it will provide for the one who didn't have it. Period. They solved the problem. That is the practical way of going about it. So they didn't go even praying about, oh, okay, uh, they need something in Macedonia. So let's pray about that. No, they just gathered their stuff and on their way to dispatch whatever was needed. So we must practice praying together as a group. We should pray with one another and pray one for the other because... And we should also pray persistently, continually, as I've already mentioned. Because uh, the parable, it says in uh, Luke 11, verse 8, where Jesus was teaching about prayer, he talked about this person who needed something. But he got it not because he was a friend, but he got it what he says, I say to you, though he will not rise and give it to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Hallelujah. So this time, it was the persistence that did it. It wasn't the friendship that did it. We must continue to pray. We mustn't give up praying. And James 5.16 says that the Effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. And he talked about Elijah being a human being like me and you. When he prayed that there shouldn't be rain, there was no rain. 
And then he prayed again, earnestly, that the rain should come. And the rain came. Can we challenge ourselves to pray after this manner? Persistent and consistent prayer about something for our nation, for um, the salvation of souls, for revival, even for the souls that we have gone out to win, that they will be established in the faith. They will not backslide. They will, they will have a desire for the word of God, and they would uh, follow after godliness. Their, their eyes of understanding will be enlightened, and they will never turn back to the world. Let us challenge ourselves to pray. Prayer works. God answers prayer. And if God says that we should pray and he's the one who answers prayer, then he will do just that if we should pray. We haven't seen anything because we have not prayed. He says we have not received anything because we never asked. But we should ask. Ask. And we will receive that our joy will be made whole. Hallelujah. So, when we look at even um, our Lord Jesus Christ, how he prayed his prayer life, and we learn from it, and we put that into practice, I believe that we will be a people who will walk in power and authority. Hallelujah. Because Jesus, he didn't do anything of himself. Everything that he did, he took counsel with the Father before he did it. In John chapter 5, verse 19, and okay, I'll read quickly John 5, 19 to 21, and then verse 30. He says, then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these, that thou may marvel. 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. Hallelujah. In verse 30 says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Hallelujah. So, I believe that this, if we live like this, then we will not stop um, praying because every time we will go to the Father. It was a habit of our Lord Jesus Christ to go early in the morning. He avoided, even he who had all power to control everything, he avoided distractions. So, Mark 1.35, he will go to a very quiet place early in the morning before anybody will come and say, Koko, Koko, may we hear Yesu. He will go and then he will pray in a very quiet place. Or sometimes he will be there with them after he has done all the miracles. And oh, he will just disappear. He will cross over to some place and be there alone praying. So we have to look at his example. Because he didn't do anything of himself. What he saw the father do. So he will go and check with the father for to-do list. Today, Father, what are we doing? That is how he got to know what the Father is doing, or what the Father had on his to-do list, and that is what he will come and implement. And he will seek the Father's face to do his will. So everything that he did was in accord. Even when, as a human being, he felt tempted to you know, um, go his own way or choose his own will. He still said, well, but not, this is what 
I would have lied. But I know that this is not what you brought me here for. So let your will be done. If Jesus went to pray for three hours, the first hour, the prayer topic was, Thy will be done. The second hour, Thy will be done. The third hour, Thy will be done. If we did that here, they will say, Ah, the thing is becoming monotonous. There is no fire in it. You have to change gears and ascend. <laughs> so, he prayed 12 hours before choosing 12 apostles. So I was wondering, okay, so did he pray one hour for every apostle or what? But I'm sure he prayed. I was listening to one of my favorite uh, preachers. He said, he's sure that Jesus was praying that it will be done for these people. That all these people that I'm choosing, help me to choose the people who will fit into your will for me and your purposes for me on earth. And I believe so. So in our choices and all that we do, we go to the Father and we pray. And he also taught us to pray. Pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's very, very important that on a daily basis as God's children who have been called for to show his excellence, to pray the will of God, to pray for his kingdom to be established, to avail ourselves, to be filled with the Holy Spirit to do his will. If we do not pray, we will not have power or we will not have the grace to do what God expects us to do. And Apostle Paul, when we look at his, his example also, he didn't so much pray for himself. In fact, I think there was one time that I read that he prayed for himself. That was when he had a thorn in his flesh. And he prayed three times about that issue. And God gave him an answer that he has given him grace to go through it. So, um, in spite of the thorn in his flesh, he continued to pray for the saints. Pray and labor over them. And his focus was that Christ will be formed in them. His prayer, his, his focus and his target was that, Oh Lord, let their eyes open. Let them see. Let them see what you have, who you have made them. Who they are in you. Let them grow up to know um, that your power can work mightily through them. He was praying like that for all the saints. But he also requested for prayer um, on some occasions. You say, brethren, pray for us. And when we look at the hall of faith, the hall of faith, we realize that all these people in that Hebrews chapter 11, who subdued kingdoms, who shut the mouth of lions, who did exploits by faith, they were people who had a close relationship with the Lord. Hallelujah. So our relationship with the Lord is the kokromotina yensanhu embopono. It's the thumb that you cannot avoid if you want to tie a knot. You can't tie a knot without your thumb's involvement. Definitely, the thumb must be involved. And so our relationship with God is very, very, very key. It's vital for praying continually. So at the end of it all, what we need to assess ourselves with is, Lord, my relationship with you, help me to assess myself and help me to throw away all the things that I need to throw away so that I can walk closely with you. Give me grace to pray continually. We need the Holy Spirit. It is not by chance that Jesus was talking about prayer, teaching his disciples to pray in Luke chapter 11. And he started saying, ask and it shall be given to you, seek and ye shall find. And then on verse 13, he landed on the fact that if you, as human beings, you know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more your heavenly father 
how much more will he not give us the Holy Spirit when we ask him? We need the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot pray continually. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who helps our weaknesses. Amen. Romans chapter 8 uh, from verse 26. Going so, he says we don't, we don't even know how to pray. We do not even know what to pray about. Yes, sometimes you can have a prayer, your, your prayer topics and all that. But do you know if that is in line with heaven's agenda? So if the Bible says we do not know how to pray as we ought to, then we have to accept that we don't know how to pray and what we ought to pray about. We have to allow the Holy Spirit. So God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us, to help our weaknesses. Our weakness is that we are limited. We don't know between here and the gate. We don't know. We are, we are not all knowing. And we, um, we can't be everywhere present. So we actually need the Holy Spirit. And after our, our flesh, the flesh is weak. And that's what he told the disciples when he took them along to go and pray. And they got to the place and within a short time, they were so tired and they were sleeping. By that time, they had not received the Holy Spirit baptism, so they couldn't speak in tongues. So when they went to the garden, and Jesus was so Jesus came and said, "Ah, so you couldn't even watch with me for one hour. So watch and pray, so that you don't enter into temptation." Ah, he went. He came back again. Their eyes were very, very, very heavy. He said, "The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak." It is the spirit that will uphold us to, with, you know, um, with willingness. The spirit of God will enable us. It is the spirit that quickeneth. He will quicken us. He will quicken our mortal bodies. He will quicken us out of every weakness or anything that weighs on us. We need the Holy Spirit. In, in Romans chapter 1 verse 9, the Apostle Paul says something. They are about serving the Lord. Romans 1 9 says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in prayer. Hallelujah. And I realize that, okay, so the secret of being able to pray always for the saints is that he was serving God with his spirit. He wasn't serving God with his mind. So it was the Holy Spirit who was giving him that enablement to be able to pray for all the churches. Um, and he will pray for them and God will give him a word and he will write letters to them to exhort them and tell them what to do. It all came out of praying in the spirit. Serving God with His Spirit. If we serve God with our mind and our own might, we cannot progress. We will not be effective. We need the Holy Spirit to be able to effectively do what God has called us to do. And the Holy Spirit will be given to anyone who asks, as Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. That we evil human beings, we know how to give good gifts. And the Holy Spirit is good for us. Let us ask the Lord to quicken us by His Spirit, to refresh us, to rekindle our prayer life again, so that we will not be prayerless and powerless Christians. Hallelujah. I think that um, time will not allow us to cover more grounds, but I believe that with the little bit that we have heard, we will be faithful with the little we've heard, and God will bring us increase, and we'll be a people who will exercise ourselves in praying continually, and will come to a point of even loving it. The Apostle Paul said that when he didn't have any prayer topic, he said, I speak in tongues more than ye all. So if you don't have anything to pray about, just speak in tongues. Amen. 
And if you don't speak in tongues, you are born again and you don't speak in tongues, go to God and ask him. He will give you the language. And you also will be able to pray in an unknown tongue. You will pray and you will speak mysteries unto God. And no one and nothing can hinder your prayers. So may the Lord bless the bit that we've heard and give us grace to be able to be doers of his word and not hearers only. Amen. Shall we bow for prayer? Father, we pray tonight that your spirit will fall afresh upon us. Lord, we pray that this truth that we have heard, you will give us grace to be doers of it. Lord, draw us closer to you, O God. Draw us nearer and nearer than we have ever been, so that we walk closely with you in close communion with you. We will desire to be in your presence. Lord, all the vain things that have charmed us away from your presence, Lord, we pray that those things will be broken in the name of Jesus. The Father, everything that weighs us down will be lifted and will have a lightness in our spirit to pray and pray continually. Lord, ignite this fire in us tonight as we have heard your word in the name of Jesus. And as we have heard your word and we even go to our various places, let us help us to go and practice what we have heard. Help us not to go and pick up things that will not edify us and that will quench the spirit. For your, your word tells us that do not quench the spirit. Help us not to quench the spirit. Lord, that which you have put in us, let it be unquenchable in the name of Jesus. Help us to dwell permanently as children of God, in the house of God, and in the presence of the Lord, so that, Lord, you will manifest your power in us and through us and with us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Peace and many blessings.